Hey friends, welcome to episode number 28 of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. Today, we are joined by Maggie Patterson of Small Business Boss. She is going to be sitting down with me to talk about building self-trust in business. Now, in today's episode, as you'll learn, we have a lot of similar opinions and thoughts around what is going on in the online business space when it comes to bullshit narratives, when it comes to the toxic cultures that are being created, and also the problematic strategies and marketing that is being used to woo us and capture us into constantly spiraling into debt and distrust and overthinking within our businesses. So Maggie and I sat down to talk about really everything and anything to do with trust as a business owner, how she ended up in the online business space and what that journey has taught her. We also talk a little bit about celebrity entrepreneurs and some of the intersections between cults, MLMs and online business. Maggie works with corporate clients in tech and professional services through her agency, Scoop Studios, and she also runs Small Business Boss, where she mentors people who are tired of the status quo of online business. Today's conversation is expansive, and I feel like we could have spoken for absolutely hours, but sit back and enjoy this episode, which is episode 28 with Maggie Patterson. You're listening to Entrepreneurial Outlaws, a podcast for creatives, introverts, empaths, and spiritual folks who want to grow a sustainable and impactful business on their own terms. We're here to meet you at the intersection of strategy, spirituality, and self-inquiry so that we can create our own versions of success and grow businesses that serve our personal goals and creativity just as much as it serves our audiences. Together, we are paving the way for a new normal in online business, one that allows you to lean into what makes you and your business unique. And I'm your host, Melanie Knights, storyteller and outlaw mentor with a nose for the bullshit. I'm here to help you unpack the bro marketing strategies and entrepreneurial myths that lead us to overthink our business decisions because overthinking is a feminist issue. The antidote, your intuition. So get ready as each week we have the messy, honest, and transparent conversations about entrepreneurship, the kind that's missing from the highlight reels of our social media feeds. We're uncovering the real stories behind what it takes to run a sustainable online business on your own terms, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Ready to break the rules and become an entrepreneurial outlaw? Let's do this. Okay, so welcome to Entrepreneurial Outlaws, Maggie. I'm so excited for you to be here and for everybody to listen into this conversation. I'm really excited to be here because I know you and I have lots to talk about, even judging by our pre-conversation. Right? We were just talking before off air and it was like, okay, let's save some stuff. Let's save some stuff for the interview. Okay, so could you introduce yourself for everybody listening, for all the outlaws listening who don't know who you are? Um, take a moment to introduce yourself and then we'll start this conversation. 
So I am Maggie. I am a communications and marketing professional. My kind of sub area in that is, or two things, is I run a copywriting agency. Um, We do a ton of content production for tech and professional services companies. And I also run a second company called Small Business Boss, which is really designed for service-based business owners. And as I say to my friends all the time, I call out BS on the internet like it's my full-time job. Right. Yes. I am. Um, I said to somebody recently that I'd heard, you know, you shouldn't put in your bio in your Instagram bio, something you wouldn't say at a dinner party. And my Instagram bio says professional bullshit sniffer. And I was like, I'm so going to introduce myself as that at dinner parties. Like, watch me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, who, what dinner party are you going to that you can't say that to? That doesn't sound fun. Well, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And I, I don't know what this is, I guess, a side note. I was saying to somebody the other day, I feel like we've created this, like independently, not together, but we've created this like sub niche where it's like bullshit um, identifying of, of business coaching and coaching industry and business industry and things like that. Because it's really hard to know where this fits in specifically because it's it just covers so much so many areas yeah I think there it's interesting because there is this thanks to 2020 and many different factors converging there's definitely been this increased I would say appetite and awareness for it it's been interesting because I went back for me I went back to some blog posts and I was like oh I was talking about this in 2014 I mean I think that's just because of how I arrived here in the online space like I saw pretty quickly what was going on and how dysfunctional it was because I had worked with companies in marketing, in sales for so many years. I was like, um, no one else does these things. What's happening? Why are, what, what, why would we do that? That makes zero sense. But this stuff becomes so normalized that we all are trained to accept it. And, you know, I think it's really important that no one feels bad about it. Um, I think, you know, as we divest from certain things, we have to look at, okay, I did the best I could in the moment and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was curious about this because I didn't know this about your story. I knew that you had been working in the online business space for quite some time and had been talking about this for quite a while, but I wasn't sure how you'd kind of arrived at this. So you actually, so you didn't, you kind of came in and were like, what is going on here? (laughs) Like you showed up and it's like, what is this crap? Yeah. So I rolled up in the online business space kind of late 2012. And I had started working for myself in 2005. And before that, I had been in, you know, a professional consulting capacity in an agency. So I had literally spent my entire career, like, you know, 10 plus, uh, probably 15 years at the point I arrived in online business working in marketing, working with sales teams and just being, you know, really entrenched with, small to mid-size, even some larger enterprise clients. And I looked at things in online and I was like, okay, this is really intriguing to me because I do think this is how the business's model is going. You know, like I had been on the forefront for a lot of my clients. Like I was the one who brought blogging into their organization. So I knew that I kind of had to stay abreast of things. So once I started getting into the online space, I was like, oh, this is a really interesting treatment of email marketing. Oh, but wait, there's all these problems here. Um, so I think because of that, I had a very, I had a very um, short journey into some of the bad tactics <laughs> because I was like, wait, this is wrong. We can't do this. Um, and you know, I tried for quite some time to kind of have 
online, you know, very launch-driven businesses as my clients. And I was dreadfully unhappy. So that, again, that was a very short chapter. And when you say launch-driven, do you mean like the typical open cart, close cart, 10 days, go crazy kind of launch-driven? Yeah. Yeah, the the madness. And I was just not cut out for that. Because I was like, literally, you're launching a mastermind. No one like this is not brain surgery. Everyone calm down. Like, I don't have time for this drama in my life. And you know, a lot of coaches coaching coaches to be coaches, like, I had a front row seat to a lot of stuff behind the scenes that really just made your turn off. (laughs) Okay, so I'm really interested in this because we do have different kind of entry points into this, um, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and honestly, I mean, I, I, I would love to have a very honest conversation with these people that do these launches. Cause I just, I've tried them years on years on years and never again, <laughs> like, it's just not happening. That is not how I'm running my business either. Um, but one of the things, so I have been consuming your content for, uh, I don't know, I can maybe like six months to a year. I'm not sure how long we've been connected on Instagram, but I'm so fascinated kind of watching your conversations and your content evolving as well. And it's been really interesting because one of the things that you've been talking about a lot more recently is trust. Um, and trust being the antidote to this bullshit, to this, this, narrative that's being fed to online business owners. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about why it's the antidote and how, how you see it being used? Yeah. So when you look at fear, and I mean, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast has seen these tactics in, in play, if not been impacted them. And fear is really, it's coming from a negative place. It's playing on our worst insecurities. It's making us feel not good enough. And fear is a very, very, very powerful, like if not the most powerful motivator. So, you know, there's a reason sales and marketing and the way online business is done with fear because it gets people into action and buying and doing things. But here's the thing. Fear is not a great motivator because it's going to result in a whole host of other issues down the road. So I started, you know, when I started having these conversations really, really actively, I kept having people, you know, showing up on my inbox and my DMs. They're like, but Maggie, you know, this is great that you're pointing it out, but like, what do we do about it? I was like, well, what do we do about it? We just do things like the way they're done in the normal world. that was just I was just like kind of like well what do you mean what do we do about it you just do business like normal corporations and you know normal people do in the real world and people are like but I don't know what that means I'd like literally have no I was like oh so I started really digging into you know based on my background in communications and in marketing like well what are the things that really are the common threads of what I see in the work I've done for years working with clients that I see my clients doing. And I'm like, oh, interesting. It all comes down to trust. So then I did a Maggie style deep dive because I I can't just, you know, go go shallow on a topic. I always have to go deep. And I was like, oh wait, this is this is really and truly the thing because business is about relationships and you cannot have any type of relationship without trust. So, you know, what are the elements of trust? How do we how do we use this trust-driven approach as this way to tether our strategies, our tactics, our actions back to 
putting that relationship first and really looking at how are we going to do business in a way that actually feels good? Like, I think, yeah, you can do a fear-based tactic, but you're going to feel like garbage or you're just going to resist doing it. So um, I didn't start business to do things that way. And I'm pretty sure no one else did either. Feels bad. And I don't want any part of it. Yeah. I so, you know, I so agree. And we were talking about this a bit before we started pressing record that the word trust, like I, we were saying, it feels like we have to work that much harder. And these are conversations that I've been having with people like, you know, no, like, and trust. Well, we kind of need to replace that likability because no one cares. Like it's, 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 it's really about the relatability. And I'm also, I would love to get your thoughts on something. The idea of people coming into your world and finding you on Instagram or finding your podcast, wherever it may be, and just falling in love with your content and what you do and handing over their credit card. Like this is the, this is the myth that I was originally sold on. Like it's easy to make money. You can always make more money. Just build that know, like, and trust, be consistent. And people will kind of just fall over you to give you money. Well, that has not been my experience. And Secondary to that, I feel as though a lot of that trust has been broken with the way these these coaching tactics and, as you were saying, like coaches teaching coaches to be coaches to be coaches, that has kind of fed into this lack of trust. And so a lot of what we have been taught to do um, in the online business space is now not working anyway because no one trusts anyone. <laughs> like I feel like nobody trusts anybody anymore. It's like really hard to know. And you have to, as you were saying, build those relationships. Yeah. I think what's, you know, been interesting and I'm sure you've seen this too, Melanie, is that, you know, I have to work so much harder with my potential clients. I know my clients have to work if they work in this online space, I have to work so much harder for their clients to can, you know, not convince them. I don't like the word convince, but like to build that relationship so that they feel confident. And I think what happens is, you know, we initially arrive in this world, we buy into the dreams, we believe we need to keep investing in our business. And in those initial stages, I know I did it. I'm sure many of your listeners have done it. You know, we get trapped in the cycle of thinking, well, maybe this will be the one. Like this mm-hmm. investment is going to be the one. And we get it trapped in this sunk cost fallacy. So we spend this time trying to like make the decisions right. We keep spending. And then eventually we get to the end of our rope. We're just at the end of the tether and we're like, forget it. I'm done. I trust no one. And once that trust is broken, it's doing damage, not just to that person and, you know, the financial and emotional impacts of it. It's doing damage to us as an industry because once someone has trust issues and their trust has been broken, it's really hard to recover from that. I mean, we've all seen this play out in our personal lives. It happens the same way in our business relationships. You know, once we have trust issues, good luck coming back from that. Like, and we're not going to therapy with someone that we just met on the internet. So um, I think the assumption of no like trust is exactly what you said. It no longer works in the same way because trust is shaky. Like, I don't really care if I like you per se. I better respect you. That's far more important. The no part is the easy part. The other two, much, much harder. So much harder. And a lot of the way online businesses, if you really start watching this, what they try to do is they have that discover, you know, that point of awareness where they get to know you. 
They skip over the building, the respect and the likability and relatability and go right to trust. And then they basically gamify that to erode your trust so that you trust them. They they take away your own self-trust. Like when someone is pressuring you to buy something, that's not about building trust with you. That's about eroding any trust in yourself so that you hand over your visa or your MasterCard. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And I thought about this recently in the terms of we have to like switch no like and trust around. So instead of no like knowing and liking and trusting a business that we want to invest in, we need to first like bring that back to ourselves. Like um, no like and trust ourselves first mm-hmm. because that trust has been, we don't trust ourselves to either make the right decision, make take the next step. Um, how to decide which, you know, where we should be talking about our business or how we should do that. There's, there's so much information, which can be great, but at some point it becomes overwhelming because I think a lot of us as well as entrepreneurs very naturally want to, we want to absorb everything. <laughs> We're like these little sponges. We want to take in all this information, but then we take in a lot of excess information along the way that we don't need or that isn't right for us. But like you have said before, because it's repetition, it's we're constantly being told the same stuff. It's really hard for us. We only know what we know. And then it's really hard for us to make a decision outside of that. Um, and I just recorded an episode where I talked about my own journey through this. And one of the experiences I had with you was that you were speaking on is this kind of constant investing in ourselves and spending money. Because what I found was the deeper I went into this, the more money I put up because I was like, mm-hmm. well, it has to be the next thing. There has to be something I'm missing. I put more and more money up. I go into more and more debts. The more overwhelmed I became, the harder it became, the more I struggled. It didn't get any easier until, as you said, I got to the end where I was just like, I call it my fuck this shit moment. I was like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that fuck that shit moment, like it, some, for some people, it's a fast realization and some people it's slow. And I would say for anyone who's listening, who's had that, you know, that journey of continuing to invest, that's the way the system is designed. It is designed to keep you trapped in a cycle of spending. If you go and look at all the like serious bro marketing, like there is something called the Ascension model. They're basically have you go up the value ladder and it starts with indoctrination. Like this is some next level bullshit. Okay. So tell us more about that then, because I think I've seen you talk about this on, on Instagram and I'm pretty sure, is this, is this related to kind of the cults and the, and the intersection of cults and online business? Yeah. So I would say online business, like if you go back to the very beginning and like, stick with me here, this can be a bit of a journey. Okay. (laughs) If you go back to the very, very beginning, it goes back to, you know, kind of these granddaddies, we'll call them because they were men and they were bros. And they come directly out of things like pickup artistry that uses a ton of NLP. Like they come out of some pretty questionable places if you go do your homework. And I won't name names, but just, you know, I would say go Google. You'll find some interesting information. (laughs) And so what happens is they start off with these tactics that are heavy on NLP, heavy on manipulation, all the same things that are used by cults. If you go and watch the uh, Nexium documentaries, Seduced in the Bow, prepare to be like, oh, wait, this is online business. What's happening? 
So, you know, those tactics become, again, super, super normalized. And then as we evolve, we get into things like leader follower dynamics. You cannot challenge the leader. You cannot question authority. All of this is tied up in a way that, you know, is online business a cult? Not necessarily, but there's definitely some indoctrination tactics, some uh, leadership and mindset practices that I personally feel are very questionable. And I would um, implore, I mean, that's a big word, but I would implore anybody who's looking at a tactic like NLP or hypnosis from an untrained coach on the internet to seriously question it. Um, You can literally be NLP certified in like a weekend course at your local, you know, sketchy motel by the airport. (laughs) Do you know what's funny as I'm listening to you talk about NLP? This was a I feel like I am probably about year two into my business. NLP was everywhere. Like this was Mm -hmm. the, it was the, the, I guess the gimmick at the time, like everyone was talking about it in relation to business and how we, how we held these safe spaces, which I think is just one of the phrases that's been weaponized. Um, And it was, I remember hearing about it and I, whilst I got it, I was like, I'm not sure this is how it's supposed to be used. <laughs> like I, I was like, I'm not, I don't know whether, and these people were not qualified. These people had read a book or these people had, you know, these, these were people who were using it because their coach had told them that this will work. This will, this will help you book more clients and in that way. And I remember that distinctly learning more and more about NLP through people who were using it. But it just, it was one of those things that was about the time where I started to question things and I was like, mm, this doesn't sit right. And this, this seems, this seems unethical to be using something that you have not been trained to use. Yeah. And if they have been trained, they are not trauma informed. They do not have a master's of social work or psychology or whatever is required to be in a therapeutic environment. It is seriously messed up. And I have fought with a lot of people on the internet about this who are like, NLP worked great for me. And I'm like, I'm glad it turned out well for you. But this is literally how they get people involved in cults. I'm not going to let a coach do this to my brain. And oh, by the way, I did some math recently on the cost of my therapist versus the cost of some mindset coaching. And guess what? My therapist was half the cost and I could talk to her twice as often. (laughs) So, you know, I personally look at professional credentials and experience and do a deep dive before I'm going to invest money. I look at the tactics people are using. And I, I love what you said, Melanie, about safe spaces being weaponized. I don't trust safe spaces at all because what I've seen over the course of 2020 was there was a lot of places that were safe spaces that were anything but. And I am a white upper middle class Canadian lady with like, yeah. you know, I, I hold a lot of privileged identities. So I can't even imagine if I feel it's unsafe, how people that are in identities that are truly, you know, not mainstream or not the dominant ones, how they're feeling in those spaces. So s- spare me with your safe spaces, people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and this is something I had said recently was like, look, you know, I can talk about this, but I'm not the person that necessarily people need to be listening to as a, as a white cisgender heterosexual woman. Like I come from, I am privileged and there are areas of many areas of my life, but I also know how long it took me to unpack the trust that got broken, the response and lack of trust I had in myself after going through this experience, the money that I spent 
mm-hmm. because in the end it wasn't an investment. An investment investment has trust behind it. Like an investment has some trust. And this, this was something I perceived to be an investment, but also made these decisions based on inflated testimonials and a lot of like, you're going to make it all back in the first month. <laughs> it was like that. Yeah. And this is where, like, this is where they get us. Like truly, I mean, these people are masterful. This is not by accident or ignorance. Like they are playing fast and loose with their morals because they care about making money. And job number one is to convince you that spending money to grow your business is an investment. And from my perspective, I did a big analysis on this about a year ago. I had about a 50-50 success rate, which you know, all things considered isn't bad. But when I add it up and I'm like, oh, that was $75,000 US. So basically like $100,000 Canadian. I was like, that is a lot of money that I could have used on something else. Right. And more importantly, like, I don't know. I look at every business investment now from the perspective of like, what's my potential ROI? And if I don't get the ROI they're promising, like what's 50%, what's 25%, am I okay with losing this money completely? That's literally the questions I have to ask myself at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if when I look at those investments as well, I think somebody asked me recently, how much do I invest in myself? And I was, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And she was like, learning new things. Like, how much do you invest in learning new things? And I was like, well, not that much because I'm at the point where I feel like I have this foundation. And if I'm going to invest in things, they're probably not things like about Instagram as such. Like these things I'm more likely to invest in are probably more likely to help me get through some of the old drama that I went through or to look at ways in which I can do better um, within my own business and within my team and my industry. So I, I feel like there's this, this place where we, I'm sure it's not the same for everyone, but like there is this point where you invest a lot of money in learning. And then at some point that kind of balances out. And it's like, now you have to make a decision about all these things you learn. What are you going to do with that next? And then I feel like you're, your investment journey is very different. Like you were saying, like you start to look at things in a different way and you start to have more perspective of, okay, well, this investment I made back then, I didn't get those results. So I need to be aware of that or why didn't I get those things? And there's a lot of self-inquiry and like individual work that needs to happen on that basis. Absolutely. And I think this is where all of us slowing down, you know, running things through a series of questions where you can go, okay, is this you know, is this the right decision and really engaging our critical thinking about all possible scenarios, not just believing the high pressure scenario, the, you know, top 1%, those results, not typical testimonials. Um, And really, I think in that marketing and sales kind of journey you have with any brand, any brand online, really looking at like, does this feel true? Does this feel right? Because a lot of times we know something is off, but we talk ourselves out of it. We're like, no, 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 no. Everyone's doing it. Like, it's like, you're not a high, you know, you're not in ninth grade, (laughs) you know, not that first year of high school where you're like, okay, I just want to be cool and belong. Like that ship has sailed now. So let's just be okay with being like, yeah, I'll let that go. And I mean, there was a time period where I watched friends, you know, doing all these amazing things on the, on the, you know, from the Instagram view of things. And I was like, 
I'm okay with not being in that mastermind because it costs $25,000 and that's not aligned with my values. And I think the clearer you can get on, you know, where's your ethical line? What are your values? The easier these decisions will get. And I mean, maybe your business is going to grow a little bit slower because you're not gaming, you know, trying to like shortcut through the system, but you're also going to build a business that lasts and can weather all these ups and downs and trends and, you know, the hottest new platform, oh, clubhouse. that you're going to be here five, <laughs> 10 years down the road. And I think that's that's why we start a business. We don't start a business to make a bunch of money in year one and then you know start something new. Yeah, it, it's very much, you know, it's a long game. And I think sometimes I think pe- people, myself included, you know, you forget that. Like when, you fi- when I first started my business, it's like I knew, but it was also so new and shiny and exciting. Um, and you know, then five years in, I'm like, no, this really is a long game. I'm here for the long haul. And so decisions I make today need to be something that I need to, that needs to potentially support me in, in, in six months, six years time. Like these need to be decisions that I make with thought and care and intention, not just throwing money at a situation because somebody else is creating this sense of urgency and, and FOMO and trust through scarcity. And I think this is where like one of, I have as part of the work I'm doing on trust, I have these trust cores and one of them is time. And one of the conversations and, you know, kind of dialogues that goes online, goes on online is everyone wants everything fast. Every, like everyone wants like the McDonald's fast food version of this. And it's like, you know, something versed that's really going to be worthwhile. That's something that is going to um, sustain us and really, you know, enhance our lives is going to take time. It's like cooking a really great meal. You can have the fries through the drive-thru at McDonald's, or you can like hold out for the steak free. Like you decide what you want to do, but like, I'm personally going to go with the way better meal because I'm going to be way more satisfied at the end of this. I, that's a totally new analogy because I keep referring to things <laughs> as McDonald's. I don't know. Maybe I want some McDonald's secretly. Uh, we'll see what happens at lunchtime. But you know, what are that but these business journeys, they're not true. They're meant to make us feel insecure. They're meant to make us think like we're failing. And I want to say like, I have been doing this for like, I have been self-employed for 16 years And I still have doubts that I'm doing the right thing. I still have moments where I'm like, oh, it's not happening fast enough. And I also have the, oh my gosh, am I missing out? Um, What am I missing? Like those questions never go away. There's no secret level you unlock in your business where you've like, I got it all handled. So I think we just need to learn and be in observance of those insecurities or questions or critiques we have of ourselves and learn how to live with them in, in harmony and just be like, yeah, I see you. We're not doing this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Def- I, I couldn't agree more because I feel like that's something that for me personally, like my inner critic is very, very loud. And I mean, I know everyone has the inner critic, but there were, there was a lot of time where it was like, am I the only one that is going through this? Like, and now I'm like, no, of course I'm not. I'm a hundred percent not, but how we deal with it. And in response to different things is going to look different for each, each individual, because we have different triggers and we have different things that are going to impact us. Like not everyone has been through the same business coaching journey or has experienced the same break in trust. It looks different. But overall, when I speak to people, 
what I hear is it's like, there are these like buckets of similar things, right? There's these similar experiences that have, I can only assume have been part of this, this teaching method, this method of like, as you were explaining kind of in this intersection of cults and like indoctrination, where it's like, we're just going to keep teaching the same thing and you're all going to keep teaching the same thing and you're all going to keep teaching the same thing. (laughs) And then there is this kind of group of people and you and I were saying like how many people aren't speaking up and aren't saying, and maybe they've not even recognized it yet in their own life or in their own business that they are experiencing these same things. And yeah, I, I feel like we could talk forever, but I want to ask you something. Can we talk about celebrity entrepreneurs? I'm not saying naming names, but I'm sure can. I have lots to say about this. I I was thinking about this before we started recording and I was like, you know what, when I first started my business, I remember being categorically told that on Instagram, and this was like, this was before Facebook changed and nobody could see any content, but this was when Instagram was just becoming cool. And I was told like, you have to show like behind the scenes, everyone wants to see your life and show your family and show your kids. And everybody has to, because it's like reality TV. And I was like, why did I feel like, why was I so bothered by this? Cause my husband used to get so mad at me. It was like, everything was a photo. Everything was a moment. Everything then lost its like moments because of this like idea that we were becoming celebrities. Yeah. So let's talk about celebrity entrepreneurs. Okay. So here's the deal with influencer culture. And we all see it is that we are supposed to be performing our lives on the internet right? Like this is to be a brand and to run a business. We need to be basically, I'm just going to sound cross, but like pimping out our families and our day-to-day lives in order to get attention. Mm -hmm. And I feel I I had like, I would be complete disclosure. I had a super like lengthy struggle with Instagram because of this, because I wasn't willing to do it. And it took me a long time to figure out, I was like, how am I actually going to use Instagram as a platform? Because Ugh, no, you know, my kid, we keep him very private. My husband works in a super conservative environment, does not want to be on social media. So I'm just like, no way, no day. So, you know, when I started analyzing all this, we've seen this rise of influencers, right? Where the shoppable life and the shoppable life is great for lip gloss or slippers. The shoppable life in terms of how we are going to use these platforms and perform our lives and be basically essentially business influencers, it starts to fail as far as I'm concerned. And I started looking at like, okay, so we talk a ton about bro marketing. We talk about the coaches who coach coaches, you know, very, I'm going to use air quotes, lady boss style. And I was like, it's great. We can totally recognize these two kind of archetypes in the wild. But there's so many other types of these influencers slash business celebrities that are out there that are much, much harder to recognize. So when I talk about a ton, and then when I talk about this, I can see like the light bulb going on for people. So they're like, oh, I totally know (laughs) what that looks like. Is the best friend next door. And yes, Mm -hmm. I've made up names for all of them. And I'm actually going to do a reboot on this work because I have a new one I've noticed. And I'm like, oh, this one needs to be talked about. But this best friend next door, they're meant to be very approachable. They're literally like your best friend. So they act very relate. They bank on their relatability. And it's kind of like, I'm just like you. And the story goes a little something like this. 
I was just a small girl from, you know, a, a girl from a small town with big dreams. Like that's the kind of thing is I grew up working class. It's all these stories to make you think there's so much like you that you too can make millions while you sleep. And mm. they play on that. You know, they use that. We've also kind of got this rebel creative type, which I mean, I fully admit, like if we had to classify me, that's where I would land. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, very much relying on the fact that like, it's like, F this and I'm not doing it this way and I'm going to break all the rules. Um, there's also my favorite, the intellectual superiors. These are the people who are like, this is my seven steps framework that it actually is like, gonna char- I'm going to charge you five grand for, but I can actually buy it in like a 9.99 ebook. But I know everything and you're dumb. Like there's... <laughs> And once you start to really recognize these, like I literally now am at the point where I have people who will message me and be like, here's an example of a BFF next door in action. And they thought, and they were like, hey, you know what? I started getting sucked in with this. But then I realized, I was like, oh, this is just another package. It's just another way these people are showing up. So I think we have to really stop ourselves and be like, wait a second, how am I being influenced by this? And I mean... I think it's a little ironic as someone who has an online presence. I'm literally training people not to trust me to ask lots of questions. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm I'm like the same. I'm like, don't trust me. Don't listen to anything anyone says. Listen to yourself. But you can also read my emails. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm always like, um, don't worry. I'm not going to do those things for you. But in case you want to buy something, here I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And don't buy it too fast. You better take a whole week to think about it. Like I actually had a sales call for my mastermind not that long ago. And I, the person was like, I'm ready to sign up. I'm like, get back to me in 48 hours. I won't allow you to sign up yet. <laughs> but isn't this, is, isn't this coming back to that trust thing? Like, it's so funny because I feel like we are so, and this is sometimes something I overthink where I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm not doing these things. And like, I know, I know I'm not doing these things, but then could it be slipping in? And I don't realize. And it's like this constantly just having to have this like perspective and this like self order of, am I doing this? No, I'm not. Okay. This is okay. I'm, I'm a good person. And I'm like trying to do these things in the right way. But at the same time, as you say, like telling people, you know, making sure that people do feel safe because like at the end of the day, a safe space is something I do want to create, but also there's no point in saying it. Cause like everyone's just going to roll their eyes because you have to, at this point, it's like, it's, there's no point in just saying it. Like it comes through, through that trust, through how you run your business and how you do things and building those relationships as well. And I think what's always funny about all of this is like right now, I mean, I'm constantly checking in with myself like you said, on everything, I'm preparing to launch this group program, which is literally about like getting this BS out of your business. And I'm kind of laughing as I'm doing it because I'm adding these bonuses. And I'm like, but these bonuses are actually useful and valuable and like core things. So on the sales page, I just wrote like, this is where a celebrity entrepreneur would tell you these bonuses are worth $87,000. And then I wrote, honestly, I don't know how much they're worth, but you're getting them because they're actually needed and you will use them. <laughs> like, I'm just calling it right out because I was like, you know what, these bonuses actually make sense. And just because these people have ruined it with their ridiculous promises of bonuses, doesn't mean I can't use them when they're actually needed and going to support people in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's this, this is, this is something that I had thought about at the end of last year in relation to making some commitments for my business. And I was like, the bonuses thing is something that I had kind of removed for a period of time because I was like, the problem is 
it's it's the bonuses that nobody ever uses, right? It's the bonuses that are given this massive price tag, and then maybe they're not they're not anywhere near what you expect, or they they have a name that sells it, but then it's like it's not in depth, or it's not actually going to be practical, and you can't actually use it in any way. It doesn't actually deliver on its on its value, and. As you say, you know, having these things, like it's okay to have things to actually help people. (laughs) It's okay to have bonuses or these areas that have been weaponized, but it's okay to have these things when they actually serve the purpose, when they actually do the job they were intended to do in the first place. Yeah. And this is where I think every single, like I've seen a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there now, I think with a discussion around ethical online business, it's being very, 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 very prescriptive. Because people just, we have been trained to think in frameworks and to give be given checklists and everything else. And I would be aware of anything that says, do you use this tactic or don't use this tactic? I just want to ask the questions so people think and decide for them what's going to work. And I mean, I have friends, like we have had like full on, you know, multi-hour Zoom debates on some of these tactics. And I'm like, listen, here's my take on it. Do what you're going to do. Like... This is not about me telling anyone what to do. It's about me equipping people with the information. So, you know, are bonuses the worst thing on earth? No. I mean, that's, it's like the debate around countdown timers. I don't use them, but like, is that the hill I want to die on? No, I got bigger fish to fry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's like, if you don't want to use them, like, I mean, I don't use them because I just was fed up with trying to find things that actually worked. But it's at the same time, it's like, it's probably not going to be the make or break of my business, whether I use a timer or not. Like, it's not, you know, I was saying this to somebody just recently as well. When we first started business, like the, 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 how many days we opened the cart for or which day and at what time we open and close the cart. And I was like, you know what, at some point in business, these things might make a difference. But when you're starting and your audience is your audience is small and you're speaking to a few people it's like it probably isn't going to make or break that launch which day you open and close the car in fact it's probably going to make or break as to how you feel as an individual but that's not tour like it's it's this kind of quick fast turnaround and everything's a gimmick and gamified as you were saying so yeah, again, it's about that perspective as an individual, like thinking about ourselves in relation to these things as well. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these kind of commonly held like, oh, you must have a cart open for two weeks and close on this day. And that's like this, again, is prescriptive business advice that is designed to sell you probably a course on launching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look at, look at the source of your information. Like there's a lot of things I say that have serve exactly zero purpose in terms of anything I'm ever going to sell. (laughs) But I say it just because I'm like, well, this is true and it needs to be said. And this is where, you know, we need to filter our business advice a little bit better and just be very um, thoughtful and mindful about, you know, who we, who we let into our feeds on Instagram, who we let in our ears when we listen to our podcasts, like, the more you can kind of cull that and take information only from a few trusted sources, uh, the the more independence and self-trust you're going to have and the better decisions you're probably going to make. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't agree more. I feel like we could talk for hours about this. Like, yeah, (laughs) 
it's 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 like me taking everything we've ever discussed in the DMs on Instagram, and I'm like, okay, let's put this into a podcast. <laughs> let's have this conversation here. And I I just I love the way you do approach things because, as you said earlier, you take this like really deep dive. I'm I like to ask questions, but it's so interesting to look at the way you do that research and you look at things because you have gone through this journey in such a different way. And I think that's so important for us to be able to see for those of us who have come up through this, like business coaching, this echo chamber, it's so important for us to be able to see that actually there is a side to business that doesn't have to look like this. And we can be a part of that and we can create that for ourselves and be, you know, there are other people doing the same thing. So I think that's so important. Okay. So Maggie, for everyone who's listening, who has, is not already following you or is not already aware of your content that they shouldn't be reading and listening, but should be, (laughs) where can they find you in the interwebs? So you're listening to a podcast right now. So I would say if you like this podcast, you'll probably enjoy my podcast, which is the BS Free Service Business. It's on Apple, Spotify, all the places podcasts are. And then I spend my time, um, on Instagram. I'm at small business boss on Instagram. I don't know what's going to happen when the pandemic is over. My Instagram might just take a little, have to take a hiatus because this has been my uh, pandemic project. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I, 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 I have a lot more time than normal. So I think I have to normalize, I have to downgrade my integrate internet presence maybe slightly. I think that's probably aspirational though, but you know what? It's always worth exploring. That's what I figure. Yeah. Okay. So we can follow you on Instagram. I mean, I'm already following you on Instagram, but Instagram and podcasts. And is there anywhere where we can learn more about what you're doing and what you're working on as small business boss? Yeah. So the website is always the best place for everything. Smallbusinessboss.co. Perfect. Okay. So we will make sure that everything is linked up in the show notes um, so that you can go and follow along, learn more about trust and which sounds so ridiculous to say, but to learn more about trust and to also learn more about what is happening in the online business space, because we, I feel like we've scratched the surface of this today, but Maggie does take a deep dive into all of these things, both in the podcast and over on Instagram. So make sure you go and check that out. But thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me about this. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Melanie. That was such a great conversation to sit down and record with Maggie. Um, As you probably heard, we had a lot to talk about. We had a a lot to say and we have a lot of similar thoughts around what is happening in the online space in relation to these cultures and these problematic strategies and these, as I said, these safe spaces that are supposedly being created but are not safe. Um, this conversation could have gone on for hours. It was so it was so great to sit down with her. We have had these conversations briefly on Instagram and the DMs, but to actually be able to sit down and have that with someone, really, really great. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed sitting down and recording it. Um, I really am grateful for Maggie for coming on and being so open and honest about the work that she does. 
Guys, make sure you follow her on Instagram. She really does a deep dive into these areas. Her work is so thoroughly researched. She really looks into this as she builds out her content for Instagram. It's some of the most researched work I've seen in the online business space. And when she does her podcast episodes, again, so well researched. So thank you for listening in to episode 28 of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. Next week, we are going to be talking all about the Outlaw Journal. So if you're listening to this live, we're in the midst of pre-sale. The Outlaw Journal is coming and I am so excited for you guys to actually have a copy of it in your hands. The pre-sale runs through till April 15th and you can get yours by going to melanynights.com forward slash Outlaw Journal. Pre-sale journals will start shipping around the 15th of April. And when you order on pre-sale, funnily enough, we just talked about bonuses in this episode. You will get some fun materials and bonuses when you order a pre-sale copy. These include exclusive Outlaw stickers that I've had created for this launch. Um, you'll also get weekly videos sent to you to support your journaling practice. These will be kind of check-ins and reminders of why we're doing this and why this work can be so powerful. And One of the things I think is really important to talk about, and we'll be talking about this a little bit next week, is I was really resistant to journaling journaling when I first started. And one of the reasons being is because it had been prescribed to me as a catch-all by business coaches. It was like, any problem I had, you should journal on that. Like that was the go-to nonsense. And journaling can be incredibly therapeutic. It can be very, very helpful. But for me, it was really tough for me to sit down and journal when I wasn't making money. Because as some of you may have also found, it feels like there's probably something you could be doing that's a little bit more productive, something that could actually move the dial in your business. So I want you to know that A, I really get that. And that was exactly my experience. We're going to talk about that in next week's episode. But also I want you to know that I've got you. (laughs) I want to support you in this. I don't want this to be another journal that you buy and don't use. I want you to be able to find that purpose for your own journaling practice. And I hope that this will be the start of that for you by being able to sit down with these prompts and be guided and taken on this kind of 12 week journey where you will start to look at these areas of your business. You will start to be able to ask yourself these questions and really think about what kind of commitments and business policy you want to create as you stretch and grow your outlook wings. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, for those of you who want to take this journaling process and this experience to the next level by working through and unpacking specific business strategies, marketing and practices that are stopping you from taking action or lead you to overthink and doubt yourself, I will be running an Entrepreneurial Outlaws Collective. So this program is in beta, which means it will be run live, right? Beta doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean what the business coaches have caused it to mean. All it means is it will be run live and you will get the opportunity to help me create it. Why is that important? Because this is about you. It's not about me. So over the course of six weeks, we will go through the the materials together, you will help me create this program. And so this is available at a discounted price when you order a pre-sale copy. You can choose to upgrade and be a part of this program, this collective. It starts on May 10th and will run for six weeks. But you can get all of this information by heading over to my website, go to melanynights.com forward slash outlaw journal. So you only have another week or so, if you're listening to this live, to order your pre-sale copy. Uh, Pre-sale will end on the 14th of April and we will start to ship from the 15th. So 
That is it for episode 28 of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. As I said, next week, we're going to be talking all about the Outlaw Journal and I couldn't be more thrilled. So until next time, Outlaws. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. If you see yourself as an entrepreneurial outlaw and enjoyed this episode, would you do me a small favor? It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take a moment to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. By leaving a review, you are helping me to grow our outlaw community and together we can show other entrepreneurs that breaking the rules can actually be good for business. Don't forget, you can find the show notes for today's episode along with any of the links that I mentioned on my website at melanienights.com forward slash podcast. And if we're not already virtual besties, you can come and hang out with me on Instagram. I am the one with the country music playing, the lukewarm coffee in my hand, and I'm dishing the dough on how we can make entrepreneurship more inclusive and transparent. Plus, I'll probably send you some fun gifts. So until next time, outlaws. Outlaws.